Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Gents Talk podcast. We have a very special guest here with us today. Uh, I wrote this down because there's just so many accomplishments that I have to I have to list out. You ready? So he's a current member of Canada's national team. He's ranked number one in Canada with his partner. He's 35th in the world. He came second at the Birmingham. I always mess that one up. Birmingham Commonwealth Games. First at the Canada at the Canadian Nationals and first at the Continental Cup in beach volleyball for men. Dan Deering, welcome to the studio, brother. Thank you very welcome, much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you for <laughs> having me. How are you feeling me. today? I'm feeling great to be here. Yeah? Yeah. I love, I love being challenged. I love meeting new people. I love having real conversations. It uh, fills my soul. Good. Um, well, there's a lot we want to kind of cover, but I think the first thing, just right off the bat, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey. You were born and now you're here and what's happened in between? Where I was born? Um, my uh, neighborhood growing up until about high school, I lived in North Etobicoke in a community called Rexdale. Um, I attended three schools there and, and uh, was able to find passion in the sport of volleyball. Um, that really gave me purpose to drive towards um, where I am today. Um, I went to York University. Um, I took kinesiology for two years. Um, that pursued my beach volleyball after playing indoor volleyball. Um, and I was able to really find a passion in life that I can dedicate, yeah, my accomplishments, but also my failures to really strive towards, um, first of all, being the best person that I can be in that field. Um, and then... Luckily, I get a ranking of what I am compared to the rest of the world or, or compared to Canada. But it just, I love being challenged towards my commitments. And um, that's kind of where it brought me today. Like life experiences, failures, accomplishments, uh, meeting great people, paying attention and finding role models when you didn't quite have them in certain areas in your life. You're able to learn from everybody and... Uh, yeah, and be challenged and learn. Awesome. So you're a pro beach volleyball player. You're on the path to Paris 2024. That's the goal. That's the big objective. What's that journey like? Not a lot of people get to say that they're working towards the Olympics. I'm just working towards the weekend. You're working towards the Olympics. What's that like? It's hard work every day. Every day you have to be motivated to pursue your goals. Um, and it's a lot of hard work. Um, having a goal that's close, 18, 19 months away, um, gives me more purpose every day to work hard, to stay in shape, to be healthier, to make the right choices. Um, you have certain responsibilities and you learn every day that you can do more and more with your time every day to pursue your goals and your dreams. Um, having it 18 months away, it, when you lose your why, when you, when you don't have, you know, an 80% effort one day and you want a 90, you look back towards your goals. And if it's 18 months away, you find that reason why you want to do that last little rep where you, where you, uh, you want to be off the court you're tired, you're exhausted, your knees are swollen. You don't want to do the work and you have to do the work. Um, I love that. I get to have that challenge five days a week, five days a week. I'm constantly growing and being challenged to be better and better and better. Um, and beach volleyball lets me do that 
And if I can rep, rep, represent my country doing that, whew, I like, I can't believe I can be on that journey and I have other people willing to watch it. Like I'm just trying to be better every day. And if I don't have an 18, 19 month Olympic goal, like I want to be an 18, 19th Olympic man in a certain area in my life, whether that's beach volleyball, um, or if that's business or if that's saving kids lives, if it's something I want to really strive towards doing more and more and more, I get to think about that every day. And when you're sitting here in a great moment with great people and you're not really stressed, you're not working hard, you're not on the bike, exhausting yourself, fatiguing yourself, you just, you know what? I love life. And when you can fill yourself up constantly, constantly and constantly, you can do so much with your life. And that's why I love people. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Because Olympic athlete, obviously you have to be in, there's like Olympic athlete is like the elite of like being in shape and fit, some would say. And so on those other two days, you said the five days you, it's like the grueling days. One of those two days, what is like an Olympic athlete usually do? I guess those are like your rest recovery days. Uh, Monday through Friday, you have five sessions in the sand uh, every day. So we'll be in the sand 90, 90 minutes to two hours working on a specific skill. Sorry, five times? Five. Uh, sorry. Monday through Friday, yeah. one one day a week. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. They're doing five a day. So I was like, animal. <laughs> I was like, animal. <laughs> you, we could though. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. you can do what you want to do. You could do it. You'd have to limit yourself. Mm. You know, it'd be like. Because of injuries. Injuries, overdoing yourself, exhausting yourself. That's a little absurd, but you could do it. Like mm. if you want to do something, you can do it. You just, okay. You want to do 30 minutes on the sand of just visual work because you need to work on your optics and your eyes and how fast they move to make decisions. You can work on that without exhausting your physical body. Yeah. Or you can be in the sand and you could be running, diving, hitting, jumping, spiking, multi-ball drills where your heart rate is over 200 and you're exhausted. And yeah, you don't want to do two a days like that. Um, so yeah, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but Monday through Friday, um, one training session in the sand a week. Um, three, three to the five days we lift. So there's two heavy lifts and one speed lift helps you move faster, be more dynamic. And the heavy lift really pushes your body to be as strong as possible. So you can go longer and farther as possible without the risk of injury. There's always pain, there's soreness. Um, but we have physios for that. We book an appointment. We make sure our body's in pristine condition so we can continue to be our best selves and push ourselves beyond the limit. Um, every day. And if it doesn't happen every day, it doesn't matter. That's our standard is every day we have to push ourselves and recover properly by communicating with all of our team staff. Um, we have a mental performance coach that we meet with biweekly. Um, we have, um, we also meet with her as a team, my beach partner and our coach to make sure that we're fully communicating properly to continue gaining our goals, that we're not exhausted, that we're balancing our lives to make sure that areas in our life above and beyond our, our mental health and our physical health are taken care of. Um, so stuff in your personal life, personal life as well. You can rely on them as well. They help you with tactics to make a little bit more money as a, as an athlete. You can, um, work towards helping more communities as an athlete, anything that you want to strive towards for. If, if you if you feel financially overwhelmed while you're traveling, that's not what you want. You want to be able to 
they, they direct you in the right path to make sure that if there's air in your li- in area areas in your life that are hindering you from being able to go to these tournaments or to be safe at home and ha- drive a safe car and, and grow a family, and they can do that. You just have to make sure you put in the work. What was that person called, sorry? It was the... Mental health coach. Is that a you coach? Or is that a volleyball? Is that a Olympic thing? Cause That's through Volleyball Canada. Okay. And through the COC, the Canadian Olympic Committee. They provide us with a mental coach to make sure that if we needed even an outlet to talk to them, we could talk to them about our, our things in our personal life to make sure that when we're on the court the next day, that energy and attention and the negativity that's holding on to that area of your life is gone. So the next day you show up, you're more present and you're not as anxious. You can be super focused. Um, we all need that. Like, I f- Yes, absolutely. But like I feel, I don't know, but I don't feel like they don't have that in all sports. They do in most. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, at least at the at the pro levels. Yeah. Yeah. Like NHL teams, it, basketball teams, they definitely have someone in that space. It's it's more like, if you need me, I'm there. Okay. Right? And if you need it's to book to them, to, it's, okay. yeah. Okay. Or they recommend it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? And like, we need you to have it. pristine mental health to make sure that you can perform and enjoy what you're doing. Mm. How do you keep the stressors of daily life out while you're on the court competing by being present and staying focused how do you do that um over the years you develop routine to warm up your body efficiently um discipline when it comes to the exercises that you need to do to maintain your your physical health like an activation making sure that all your muscles that you use in your specific sport are activated and ready to go if you don't do that you'll have stress personal stress aside from just being at the court it will be hurting you when you're at home um it it, i can't even focus on how important it is to have like that to be a part of your life Mm. like it helps in every aspect possible and the the component of the the financial aspect i think just in talking to you and, and talking to athletes in general one of the biggest things that seems to come across is we often on the outside see the glamour of coming in first or the glamour of travel and oh you got to play like you just recently came back from the dominican where you played in a tournament people look at that and they go oh you got a vacation to go play a sport you know they look at that as a luxury but in reality and correct me if i'm wrong there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and a lot of individual sacrifices that you have to make to get there. A lot of it is on you. You have to finance a lot of what you're doing. Can Absolutely. You, can you maybe share what that looks like? Yeah. The, I don't know what you would call it, fame or people sharing your success or having people talk about all the things that you're doing well. And people might see that and judge it in the wrong way. Like, oh, it's so lucky to represent your country. Or it's so lucky that you get to be in Punta Cana. Oh, you're traveling the world. Majority of all that, there's a cost to it. Your energy, your time, and your ability to to financially aid yourself in order to make that happen. We don't get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. We don't. It, It comes from more of the motivation of life, of why you want to do something. Um... We, yeah, we pay for our, most of our expenses when we travel the world. We pay for our flights. We find ways to cover those costs. It doesn't just come from 
from Volleyball Canada. It doesn't just come. We get a little bit. There's a, there's something called a junior and a senior card. Sorry, a next gen and a senior card. Um, if you're a senior athlete, you get more money. If you're a junior athlete, next gen athlete, you get less money. Um, but 80% of our, our costs come from other ways to generate revenue. Sam and I have to do meetings. Sam, Sam is my partner, my beach partner. We have to attend meetings. We have to sign contracts with other companies, sponsors to promote their company and to, and to share the journey that we have with them. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for athletes and people in general to feel like there's a company or big people or loving people behind you, supporting you. Um, majority of our money comes from sponsors, um, promoting the product. Um, so you're just, an entrepreneur ultimately. Oh, definitely. I think we all are. We're all at heart. Um, that's just how I look at an entrepreneur. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you commit to putting in the work like to grow daily to put yourself in an environment where you can kind of either get share your time and energy with companies that are willing to pay you to do your your expertise and that's why you're working um in all areas in your life it's like yeah entrepreneur it's 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 interesting for me like you can do multiple things and make different multiple revenue like from all different companies but um it's like a balance of life it's like i wouldn't be working something that's going to hinder my commitment here i'm not going to do that i'm not going to risk that so we try to work as much as possible and make and have companies help us along our journey and if we can help them we will do it we will promote it we will get the name out there we will wear your apparel the funding will always help but the hard work is, is done behind the scenes for sure. And how do you, like as an entrepreneur, how are you sourcing these potential sponsors? Like are there, is it something where it's just known within the space that these are, these are companies that are, are active? Or how do you find when you go to these companies, like what are you promoting to them essentially? Honestly, our journey. Like our journey and then our network. Mm -hmm. to be able to share our story and you be a part of it. Like to, uh, honestly, that's to simplify it. Right. Um, and it's through meeting people. It's, it's hearing someone's story and saying like, Hey, I want to help. Or how can we work together? If there's a contract involved, then it's pretty simple. A needs to happen and B will happen. And thank you. And thank you. And if you have no money, it doesn't matter if you have some money, you want to help us. Thank you. But we want it to be a win-win situation. Um, so we can constantly look for that. We can email companies, but it honestly comes down to meeting people, sharing each other's journey. And if, I don't know, if, if you meet people and you're inspired by their journey and they asked for your help, I think giving help and, and receiving help are very important, right? If you, like, we don't want people to be a part of our journey if, if we can't help you and and you don't see us as a great ambassador for whoever listens. It doesn't matter. But meeting people. You got in last night? Yeah, our flight came in yesterday evening from our last tournament of the year in Punta Cana. When's your next on day? Like when you working back, working back out? Oh, this morning. Right away. Right away. How doesn't stop. 
It doesn't stop, right? No, because there's always that work that needs mm-hmm. to be done. Nice. And how do you gauge your progress? I've always been fascinated by that. You know, certain athletes will, will say, you know, I've done X amount and I'm done for the day. Or I've achieved my next level. How do you determine what that next level for Dan Deering is? The heavier I can lift, <laughs> <laughs> the more reps that I can do, and the more time I can spend in the sand mm-hmm. without feeling pain or injury or little like worrisomes or a tight shoulder or sore neck. You will always feel something like that. But when they get like worse, it's like then you're not taking then then you're not taking care of yourself, even if you are staying home that day. Um, it's the weekend, mm-hmm. and your shoulder hurts. Put in the work. Like you need it for the you need it for Monday. Like you need it two hours from now. You have a match. Make it make it happen. So like you're constantly working on your commitments. Um, and then obviously in the weight room, it's 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 a number that grows. Right, you can hit PBs. You have a goal, mm-hmm. and you want to hit it in three months. And you're so focused on the goal that all of a sudden you look at yourself and you're stronger. Yeah. Because of the routine, the discipline, and the able to just do the work and find reasons of why you're doing it on the tough days. And then all of a sudden, even today, for example, I lifted a weight in my hand and I'm like doing my shoulder presses to make sure my shoulder's strong so I can hit harder and hit longer. And I'm looking at the weight. I'm like, two months ago, I was unable to lift this. And here I am doing it with ease. And I took a moment. And I looked at the weight and I put it down and I looked at the, the smaller weight and I was like, wow, like I'm stronger now mm-hmm. just because of routine and discipline. And then, and then I was like, you know what? And my, my trainer is looking at me and said, what are you doing, Dan? Like, why are you pausing during your reps? <laughs> because I wanted to ha- like have this moment for myself. And then I look at the one that's heavier than that one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I wonder if I can do that. Yeah. And I picked it up and I got it. And I was stronger than I thought I was. Yeah. And I hit I hit that marker. And I'm like, you know what? In two weeks, you're mine. Yeah. In two weeks, you're mine. I'm going to do this and do this and do this and do this. And next thing you know, while I'm at practice, my shoulder's in less pain. And I'm hitting harder. And I can do it for longer. Only because I put in the reps. And you're so focused on the goal that all of a sudden, you're stronger. So sometimes you forget how strong you are. Because you were so focused on the goal. But then you have moments where you can reflect on the journey and you're like, this is why I do it to have these moments to be like, I'm stronger. I am. I look better. I feel fitter. I'm more focused on the court. You just you have to put the work in. So like if you have that awareness, you have that type of awareness to to know that your balance is off. What can you do in the next few hours? What can you do in the next half day? What can you do in one day to make sure that you're ready for the next day? And it has to happen. You would do it. Even mm-hmm. if you had like, you had to rock your baby to sleep, yeah. I would still do it. I'll be doing my stretches while holding my baby. I don't have a baby. <laughs> but that's what if that's what needed yeah. to happen, that's what I would need to do. If you have that awareness of like, oh, my shoulder's tight or like your trainer needs to tell you this. So when you're with your trainer, yeah, I'm, I'm being told what to do at first. And then you know what to do because you're learning constantly from your trainer, the right technique, how to do it. And the next thing you know, your trainer doesn't need to look at you because you're doing everything right because you've taught yourself to do it. How many different trainers do you have? We have one physical trainer for my partner, Sam and I. Mm. 
We have a mental performance, uh, yeah. performance coach. We have a personal coach that we've hired. He was born in Canada, but lives in the U.S. He lives in Los Angeles. Uh, he comes here to train. So he comes here to help us train. Uh, but we pay for majority of, of his expenses. So we have that coach as well. Um, and then we have an overall national team coach. Okay. So he works with all the athletes. We have one coach that we've hired to work just with us. And we have a physio and a strength and conditioning coach that helps the entire men's and women, the men's national team. How do you balance? I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm certainly not an athlete at this level. But how do you balance? Is there scenarios where you're getting conflicting advice from different coaches and you have to sort of pick and choose? Or is it generally always on the same level? When you were younger and you had multiple coaches telling you that this is how to do something, this is not how to do something, um, you're challenged because you're like, you don't know what to do, A or B. As you get older, you have all these coaches and they've all taught you something. And if one way doesn't work, you try it another way. That could be from a different coach. And then there's a scenario where something else happens. And if you did A and B, it wouldn't work, so you have to do C. So the more experience you get, you start to realize that every coach you can learn from. It might not work, but you have to try it. And you wouldn't know if it didn't work if you didn't try it. And then you learn and you continue to learn and strive towards building a new skill. And when you find a coach that says, hey, this is how you do it, it'll work for you, you have to try it. And then all of a sudden it works. And then you start to realize through all coaching experience and being taught from different people that you start to make your own recipe to figure out what your body needs, what your mind needs in order to perform. And I'm still learning every day. But it's like, um, as a coach, you focus on learning. You're learning every day, ultimately. Every, every day. Yeah. Every day. doesn't matter what position I'm in, whether I'm the coach or the athlete, which I'm both. Yeah, so you're a coach as well. Correct. And you have you to be. You why? have to be a coach. Why? To me, coaches are present. And they uplift you. And they challenge you. And they listen to you. And they want you to you want them to get better. They want to get better. And that's the goal. Who doesn't want that? Like whether you're an athlete or a student or an adult, like we all need a coach. We all need like a mentor to be able to direct us down the path for them to get better. And if volleyball is that, yeah, I can teach you those techniques. But we can also teach you the right mindsets that help you just be better at things in life to be focused and pay attention. And in different sports, there's different techniques. But it's like a coach wants you to get better and be present. I love coaches and the impact that they make in my life. So if I can do the same thing, I have to. <laughs> Is there to like coach. one lesson that stood out to you from a coach at some point in your life that's sort of triggered a journey? Like, it started when I was 14. I was in grade nine in high school for North Albion Collegiate, a.k.a. Naki. And a coach saw me play volleyball. And they're like, I like this kid. He works hard. 
He likes playing the sport, and he's positive around his teammates. And they're like, come play for us. I can't afford it. I can't make. I I can't. I can't go. Like, we can't make it happen as a family. And the coach said, "Don't worry. If money's not an issue, what are you going to do?" I'm like, "Can I do it, mom? Can I do it? Yeah. Here, here's TTC tickets. Get there. Make it happen." And then you start dedicating your time towards going to play volleyball. But it was only because the coach gave them an option of like, "We'll do it for you." And then they, I started to be a coach, coaching younger kids, 10 and 11 years old at the age of 14. And I used that to pay off my fees. That was the main factor of me not being able to play. So that coach inspired me to know that if you want something to happen, people can make it happen for you. And then you just have to work it off in other ways. So it's like that coach inspired me to, to know that people can help you and you can ask for help and that's what coaches are so it's like that coach wanted me for some reason and he said we'll make it happen so it's like now with kids like oh we want to coach you want to do this okay we'll make it happen you want something to happen cool you have a goal in mind we'll make it happen a rock falls in your life you can't jump it we'll break it down for you it's like the coach will make things happen and you want to be surrounded by people like that and if you're being coached in sport in beach volleyball in life you better be with a coach who wants to make you better. So like, I love that I'm in the moment in my life where I can be both. I'm constantly absorbing everything from our coaches. And then I'm totally just squeezing it and, 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 and rinsing it out on all my other athletes that I coach that are younger. It's like, it's like a cycle. Um, and you get to experience two sides of the, of the game. That's when, awesome. When to you be able need to, to be an that. athlete and when you need to be able to coach yourself. Yeah. So. Like just to be able to share that knowledge. You <clears throat> you mentioned recipe a while ago and it got me thinking. Mm -hmm. You are in very good shape and how are the holidays for like eating for you? Like a lot of like a lot of times when you it's you gotta because you gotta be very strict at all times because you're when is off season for and when is off season? May I ask that first? Off seasons for this year will start December twenty first. Yeah, and it'll go till January fourth. Just this year, because you're getting ready for the Olympics. Oh, just some or, time off with the family. Yeah, right. We don't have to technically be in the sand, but we're still working out. We're still yeah. staying on task. We're still eating properly, but we have an off season. Okay. And then yeah, so how is how is like the holidays and eating around family? Because do you still eat? everything normal or do you have to be still strict on the holidays there'll be a day or two where i will have a little bit more ice cream or, <laughs> or a beautiful homemade pie by my girlfriend's mother yeah. <laughs> um but you're still working yeah like it's holidays but you're still making choices to still be healthy and to remain strong so i'm i'm, I'm on a diet of what i put into my body is going to be great mm. and and if it's not great, I'm going to have a little bit of it and I'll make up for it afterwards. Mm. It's like I'm, there's so much food and holidays and, and I, yeah, I, I just choose to put things in my body that are healthy. Mm. Um, and I'll spoil myself every once in a while with a little bit to just taste something that has a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> what, is, what is like your go-to? What, what is your kryptonite snack? Uh, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. <laughs> you have a flavor or just? I like coffee a lot. Yeah. 
I like the coffee flavored. Flavored that was one. a quick answer. That was, that was yeah. like, <laughs> that's why it's a kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, just right. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna no, ice cream. I, yeah. I just know what I want. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Yeah, it's, it's okay, so speaking of knowing what you want, walk us through that decision or that moment in time where you decided, I want to take competing for the Olympics seriously. 28 years old, so four years ago. Okay. I've always been a great volleyball player. I played on the national team for 2008 to 2014, but 2014 I was 24. At 28 years old is when I really knew what it took to be disciplined and committed and to have people in my circle and just focus on that. I was 28 years old. It was during COVID, and I had moments to reflect and an opportunity that came to me that I had a second shot. And if you get a second shot, you take it. Um, I thought I knew it took what it took when I was 24. Um, but going through life experiences and dealing with fear and doubt and mistakes, and you learn so much more about yourself and your character that four years down the road, you have the opportunity to do it again. Like you do it. Mm-hmm. and you learn from your mistakes and you fully commit this time from everything that you realized you didn't do before that people are doing around you and you just you do it so um so you're in your early 30s now yes sir the body doesn't rev up the way it used to Oof, no <laughs> how do you prepare your body to go out and compete against 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds who just get on the court and a bundle of energy? Time efficiency. Um, Making commitments to your body. Warming up and activating properly, not just going through the motion. When I was 18, 19, 20, 22, I would warm up, but it would be very general. Now I know exactly what to warm up, when to warm up, and how long to warm up for to activate everything so that I'm strong and supported on the court to before when you're younger you don't you don't learn how to do that and then recovering well hydration electrolytes getting food in you at certain times having little snacks throughout the day it's like i never did that when i was younger so you you are more time efficient more present with your warm-up and with your cool down um or you, now that you get older, you just have to start it earlier. It takes you a lot longer to warm up, but it still has to get done. And your body is sore for hours and days after certain tournaments or events. I couldn't imagine like what playoffs would be, right? Playoffs in a tournament, it's your last match, it's your la- and you're sore, and you just, you just have to make it happen. When you first played, your first game in the round, took you 30 minutes to warm up. Now it takes two hours flush out the whole system, do the activation again. Have you gotten your rest? Are you drinking even more this time because you're losing so much? It's like the longer the journey gets in a tournament or in a game, the more work you have to do. So it's like I'm 32. Thankfully, I have great people and myself and my experiences to keep me strong. But when I was 22, I didn't know what the full commitment and discipline needed. And it's like now I have the opportunity to do it at 32 I'm going to prove my younger self wrong and uh, do it right. Nice. And 
there's two of you. It's quite easy to butt heads, I imagine, at times. If a play doesn't go well, a, a tournament doesn't go well, one of you's not feeling it, one of you's having life get in the way. How do you and your partner sort of deal with those ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of that professional relationship? The good thing is I've known my partner since 2007. So we've known each other from afar for 15 years. He's the same age as me. He's been a professional beach volleyball player for 13 years now. This is only my sixth year, and it was broken up into two sections in my life. So the good thing is we've established character and who we are as a person. We know each other. We knew of each other. We're always somehow involved in each other's life, even for a little bit or a lot. And then you you want to know what their standard is, like training with someone, training with a team. You want to. You don't want to go on the court and know that your partner's half-assing it when you're putting in everything. You're putting in the work. I wouldn't say half-assing it when you get to a professional level, but even when you identify 5 or 10% lack of focus in your partner and you can identify that, what do you need to do to get them to race to your level? Or how? Like, who do you need to be in order to identify, hey, is everything okay? Right? We can do better. So there's a standard that you meet and you have to talk about what that standard is and what that standard means. Like you can't show up and be tired. You can be tired, but once you have your coffee and you activate, boom, you're a machine again. You're working hard. You're doing it for yourself. You're doing it for your partner. So you need to have clear communication with your partner as well. All big words that are part of character and morals and values. You need trust. You need communication. You need to be able to express vulnerability in your life, to talk about things that are hindering you from being your best version of yourself today because your mental health is broken and you had a shitty practice. Um, it's literally, in the sport of beach volleyball, it's a brotherhood. There's no teammates. Like it's, And actually, when we play the sport, there's no coach. They're not allowed to coach you while you play. So you need to have a huge, strong bond with the man that's next to you a huge bond to identify maybe a shift in their mindset. Is their head down? Why is their head down? Are they lacking confidence? Are they are letting doubt creep in? And if you have the awareness and the connection and the relationship that you have with your partner or your teammates, you can be like, Hey, like what's wrong? What's going on? And you can identify it and you can get right back to being the best version of yourself on the court and perform as an athlete. Um, if you hold back those conversations and you build resentment and you can't communicate your needs and wants, it's going to hinder their performance on the court. So like he is a huge part of my life. I see him every day. Our relationship needs to be pristine mm-hmm. and safe and be able to meet our standard even on days that we can't and uplift each other to be able to do that on days that we can't. So, and that's another reason why I love this sport. It's because it's just two of you. It's literally a relationship and we're trying our best to know what we're capable of and hold each other to that standard every day, every day. And on the court, it needs to happen and it needs to happen fast or else you, you lose a point. So, And 
there's a lot of ego that's got to be checked at the door here. Oof. Definitely. Yeah. Ego with the relationship or just in general? Both. Oof. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would say... There's a story that's going on yeah. up there. Well, it's just <laughs> through partnership. Um, my partner, you know, like he, he's been playing for 13 years. He kind of knows what he needs to do on the court to get himself to be the best that he can be. And it's funny in sport, when you're in the arena and you're fighting, it's hard not to hold back. Like I'm better than you. Yeah. I'm stronger than you. Try to stop me. Like that's like the ego and confidence or cockiness. And it's all looked at in different ways, but like, yeah, the ego gets you involved. But the ego in your relationship with your partner, like that, that can't happen. Like you're both on the court to win. Mm. And like me being my best self and you being your best self, egos aren't involved. It's the standard of being your best self. But the egos show, like sometimes we, we think about, do we want to engage our ego or our confidence? Do we, be, do we beat our opponents knowing that we show them when I pound a ball straight down, like I'm the man, you're not? Or... Do we beat them in silence? Do we make the shot and we pull away and we're calm and we're intense? It's like the ego is a huge part of sports and a huge part in relationships. So it has to be addressed. Like you have to know when your partner's using your ego or when their ego's allowing them not to be present and it's actually hindering their performance. So it's like you have to manage that relationship too. Yeah. On the man, you're not. Yeah. I won. We no, what do you mean I won? We won. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's funny how I I love the the talking about ego in sports. It gets me going. Right, go ahead. Is there is there a lesson that you can convey to maybe younger athletes or just people in general when dealing with ego in such a close relationship? Because you you just said it. You're you and Sam see each other almost every day. You're in each other's faces every day. Yeah. Your wins and your losses are shared. <laughs> we stay in the same hotel rooms. There you we go. sleep in the so same nights. So we share shower times. We eat together, breakfast, lunch, dinner. We travel together. Like I see him more than I see my girlfriend. Right. Right. So how do you like what lessons would you share on dealing with ego when it creeps in? It it only creeps in based on like performance like if, if if sam were to like win that match he like his ego might inflate but i don't care like he he played so well that he helped us to victory it's like if you know your partner is putting in the work on the court and off the court there's no ego involved it's like and if it is you're like hey hey we won this together right it's just like a little check it's like, I'm working just as hard as you, but I want you to thrive and I want me to thrive. But it's like, we thrive together. Our egos don't clash. Our egos are like trying to be managed on who we're facing. But, um, so in terms, in terms of egos and so if you're playing at the top level, why is it, and you are the best mm. and you've proven that you're the best. Why is it that if you say that you're the best now, it's this person has a big ego. Why do you think that that is usually looked down upon when someone's like, okay, I'm the best in the world? It's like, well, even though, and they are. First of all, I would say that if you are the best in the world, you can say that. I I believe that too, but people don't like them. People in the best in the world say that they're the best in the world. They say like it's like they're bragging. It's like, but it's like if you are, then you are. 
that's true. So usually, in in for me, minority of the times, like like for instance, LeBron and Kobe, mm-hmm. it's like who's the best? Who's the goat? You don't know who's the best. Yeah. It's different, different eras, different age, different stats. But if you're like the number one ranked team in the world and stats prove that like if you just won the championship you can say i'm the best in the world yeah so if the best team or player in the world is saying that like the stats have to prove it um who's the who's the current number one team in norway 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 for the men so i'm gonna ask you a question here what separates dan and sam from team norway They probably have maybe a bit more discipline or they have a formula and a recipe figured out that Sam and I are striving to work at every day. They're the best team in the world and they prove it. They prove it on the court. That's what's amazing about sports is there's a, there's rules and there's points and one team is trying to get there before the other and there's rules that have to be enforced in order for that to happen, for it to be so competitive and then you work on those skills to be the best in the world. They're the number one team in the world for a reason. So it's like, learn from them. If you want to be number one, learn from them. Because they're doing something in their recipe that's different than yours. Their food tastes better. Or, or their mindset is better than yours. Why? Watch them. Learn them. Ask them questions. You want to learn from somebody? Ask from people that have been in the arena or have been in the arena. Not spectators and fans and followers. No. So it's like, they're the best in the world. There's no ego involved because you know it takes hard work and discipline and mindset and practice. Like, there's no ego. Egos are involved when, like, emotions get involved with men. It's like, when there's no emotion and it's just facts, there's no ego. It's like, it takes work. Um, that's the ego when it comes to like the competitive environment mm-hmm. like even even while training like sometimes you know you're gonna flex on them it's like i'm the best sometimes you need that in moments yeah. when fear kicks in doubt kicks in and you're not being a hundred percent you just need to tell yourself i am the best not the best in the world i'm the best i am right now i'm the strongest i will ever be in this moment and you just Go back to being present and you just, you strive like, and you learn from the best. Like, that's it. (laughs) Like, it's funny. I'm the best version of myself right here today, but there's also people out there that are doing the same thing I'm doing and they've, they figured it out somehow. And there's teams like me that are going to challenge them. Damn straight. (laughs) Team Canada, baby. So you took, you said that you had two, like your beach volleyball career, at least at the professional level, had two instances, a chapter one and a chapter two. Why did chapter one come to a conclusion? Why'd you stop that first time before starting this journey back up again? At the moment when that happened, it was just too much. It was overwhelming. My body was hurting. My left knee needed surgery. Like my back, my I shifted my my, my lumbar spine and my body was going through hell. It started to become more pain than pleasure. And I quit. I quit. I wake up and I'm like, my knees hurt today. And I would use that as an excuse to not 
perform my best and not lift and not do the little things that needed to get done. Yeah. And I quit. I gave up. It was too hard. The journey was too hard and I wasn't, I wasn't ready. And then I had a second chance and you're like, <laughs> fear is going to kick in this time. No, it's not. What is, what was the second chance? Second chance was when my current partner, Sam Schachter, 2016 Olympian called me saying after this next Olympic run, the 2020 Tokyo, that was prolonged one year. He says, I want to play with you. Get your shit together. What was that call like? That was heavy. It was a light bulb. It was, it was so shocking because I had to digest and think, do I want to do this again? Fear crept in. Doubt yeah. crept in. Pain crept in. Was it an immediate yes? It sparked me. But the kid inside me was like, yes, 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 yes. But I had to make decisions and sacrifices in order to do, do, to pursue this goal again. And those sacrifices had to be thought of and then made. I couldn't just answer the question. Like, yeah. And then when I was 28, it was very similar timings. That was the moment when I'm like, if I'm going to commit to this journey, I'm going to do it right. My body was sore then. It's because I didn't put in the work. If I needed knee surgery, then I wasn't lifting properly. I need to lift more. I need to lift more than the average person because I'm not the average person. Are you willing to put in that work and still feel pain because I'm getting older? <laughs> but it's, it's it, yeah, the second time, this second time can only be done right because of the awareness of knowing the first time that I failed myself. I failed myself. That's my alarm going off to make sure that I get my butt um, moving. soon moving, moving to coach kids that I can teach them that you learn from your mistakes, whether it's within 10 seconds, six months, four years, learn from your mistakes because I'm down this Olympic path because of my mistakes. And I was able to have that opportunity to now know what to do because I knew what I wasn't doing before. I'm going to ask you one final question before you had to go coach. The word believe pops up quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. It's on your wrist. I noticed it on the side of your neck there. What does that term mean to you? You have to believe in yourself when you are at your weakest. You need to believe in yourself when fear and doubt are creeping in, when you want to cry, when things aren't going well, you're stressed, you're anxious, you don't think you can do it. It's in those moments you need to believe in yourself. And hopefully the people in your life that you love and you surround yourself with are also installing that belief in you because it's really hard to do it yourself and if there's coaches and relationships and what I call men in my life that can install belief, then your journey will get more joyful and you'll have a support team. And you, you just, you like, it's easy to believe in yourself when things are going well, but you have to believe in yourself when you're feeling the absolute worst and have gone through it to realize that you did it before you can do it again or 
I don't know if I can do this, but I've felt this feeling before and I've conquered that. So believe in yourself, even when it's uncomfortable, believe in yourself, even when you've never been down a path that's you're about to walk, walk that road, like install belief in yourself daily and make sure that the people around you are also doing the same thing, but you better be doing it for them as well. Amazing. We're rooting for you, man. Paris 2024. Thank you. We're going to be watching you crush Team Norway. <laughs> that would be a dream come true. Well, manifest it. You're working hard. You're disciplined. You're, like you just said, journey, chapter number two is a version of you that exists because you learned everything that didn't happen in chapter one was because you didn't do it. Not because you can't, but because you couldn't. And now you could and you can and you are so incredible journey we're we're rooting for you team canada baby (laughs) thank you for number one in the country and then number one in the world very soon yeah 35th in the world of anything is incredible but number one is on the horizon i see it amazing thank you for stopping by really appreciate it appreciate it it. poncho appreciate you you, thanks everyone thank you